Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Well, welcome back to another episode of Belly and Beyond. I'm really excited. I've got someone special here today called Catherine from Good Foundations, and she's going to be really amazing and share with us a little bit about her fertility journey from all aspects of health, but she also is a skin and beauty therapist, and she's also going to share with us a bit more about the truth on what's really going on inside our beauty industry. So welcome, Catherine. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. Um, so, of course, my name's Catherine, and recently I started a company called Good Foundations, and I wanted to reshape the beauty industry to be more foundational in a health and beauty harmony kind of way. Um, and that came about for me when I found out that the soap that I was washed in, the bubble bath I used as a kid, all of those things contained endocrine disruptors that were contributing to my long-term hormonal struggles. Wow, which is huge and in-depth and I'm sure sent you down many different avenues of research and study and lots of thinking. So from all of that, what has been the most highlighted to you on your fertility journey? I think the biggest eye-opener to me was when traditional Western medicine always had a trade-off, and I truly believe it has its place, but as someone with a big autoimmune response, every drug they gave me to help my PMS, my bleed flow, my bloating, the pain, I always had a side effect and I kind of had to choose. Do I want to put on a kilo every month and have severe PMD and autoimmune progesterone dermatitis or do I want to wrangle the beast that I know? And it just didn't seem like a good enough trade-off for me, which started my natural health journey. So of course, I saw many, I've seen Ayurvedic therapists, Chinese doctors, naturopaths, functional health doctors, and a wide array of specialists. And what it really boiled down to was that the education I received as a child, unknowingly to my mum and everybody else in society then, was designed to keep us sick. And part of that came about from tobacco and cigarette companies wanting to hide the fact that smoking increased your cholesterol. So they blamed fat. So everybody went on a low-fat diet, which is full of sugar, which spikes your insulin. And as some of you might already know, if you've been down this rabbit hole, insulin is actually a hormone that can affect fertility and egg health. 
And that's how I ended up here. Oh my goodness. So from all these awarenesses, it's like, one, it's not always pleasant. And I think there's that deep processing that, okay, wow, everything that I've been taught and that's been told to me has been a complete misconception or most cases a lie. How do you then, how have you personally then moved forward with actually focusing on your fertility journey and having healthy hormones, you know, from a holistic view? It's hard. I did have a very big part of my journey was mental health based because Mm. when you go through the Western medical system and like me, you're one of those people that reacts to everything, you feel really let down and you get these negative health thoughts, you know, I'm damaged, I'm not enough, what did I do, this has got to be my fault. When really, unfortunately, it's a product of convenience. The more convenient businesses made food and farming, the more damaging they became to our health. And that mental health journey for me led me to Young Living Essential Oils. I started that journey using those on an energetic level to just make myself feel better so that I had the energy to then do something else and see another therapist and try another herbal tonic. So it really can get you down and you've got to reassess the term failure, which was a really big thing for me. And I think a lot of women, somewhere along the line, we start failing at everything and we're not good enough. So I encourage you to have a think if you are one of those people, especially on a long-term journey. We never tell a toddler they're failing to walk. We never tell a kid they're failing to read. They're all learning. And I don't understand when us encouraging that learning turned into us failing when we couldn't do something right the first time around. So if you are not on the up and up yet, and you're still on a bit of a yo-yo hormone cycle, every failure you come across is a lesson that you can change for next time. Uh, And that's my driving force. Wow. Which is applied to every area of life and also every area of your health, because if it's not your fertility, it could be you have diabetes or a heart condition or born with a genetic disposition or something else is going to come up and those same questions. I mean, mine's a slightly different situation, but when I got the diagnosis that my son had a birth defect, oh my gosh, we went on a journey for like three to six months. Like what did we do wrong? It's all our fault. And we started coming up with reasons that if anybody heard would have just been like, guys, that sounds ridiculous. But you just get so fixated on why did this problem happen to me? Yeah. And that can sometimes then block you from enjoying the season that you're in or moving forward or taking action or exploring another avenue and you can get stuck, can't you? That's right. Have you felt like that? Yeah, it stops you in your tracks. When you succumb to that cyclone that is failure, it takes you down a very negative self-talk rabbit hole. And it's really hard to dig your way out because you don't see a way to progress. All you see is another opportunity to fail. And I think that's when you've got to make sure you're on top of your mental health 
so that you have the emotional fortitude to break through the barriers and roller coaster that is tackling your physical well-being. And that can be having the courage to try something that might not necessarily be of your normal upbringing, like That's right. medicine or acupuncture. I've got a couple of different friends that are on this similar journey and they've all had different health implications. It might be they're affected with endometriosis or polycystic ovaries or they've just found out that, I don't know all the technical terms, but they've had their bloods tested and their egg count is lower and then they've had to go get scans um, to assess the actual egg count in their ovaries and I've just watched different people in my world recently going through this and watching how they're handling it and one particular friend said to me she's like I'm just so tired of there being so many different ways to you know, take on this fertility journey and it's like, how do I do them all at the same time? I don't even know which one's working anymore. So I wouldn't even be able to say which one I yeah, think is the answer. Right. And she's taking all different types of liquid pills, yeah. natural stuff, seeing five different doctors, naturopaths. <laughs> how have you handled that? Because you're definitely someone that seems to be open to trying different things. So um, I... Definitely was on that roller coaster. I was seeing a Chinese doctor and an Ayurvedic therapist, and I had my GP and I had my specialist and I had my gastroenterologist and I had my rheumatologist. And everybody's information was contradictory. Mm. So, what the rheumatologist would tell me to do, which was put a lot of ice on where I was having pain. The Chinese doctor was going, no, ice stops blood flow. You can't do that because you need your blood to deliver healing nutrients. So you need hot things. And then the gastroenterologist is going, well, if you have hot things, that's going to speed up your digestion. So you need to have cold things. (laughs) And it was just, I ended up for a time dropping everyone. I just said, no. I said no to all the doctors and all the specialists and I actually took everything into my own hands and having that semblance of control gave me the freedom to try things from then on one at a time. So I joined a hormone academy run by an Australian naturopath And she sends you for three months, a box of supplements and an online course about how to eat well for your hormones. And for three months, I just did that. And I took a break from everything else. And when that three months was done, I could actually reflect on what I felt I wanted to try versus what my friend's mum's cousin tried when she had endo and adeno and PCOS and my, you know, aunt's sister's daughter who just managed to conceive after a a lifelong endo struggle. Uh, I think take on all of those recommendations from friends and family But at the end of the day, sometimes you need to have a knowledge fast. You know, you need to cut out all of those options so you can figure out what you really want to try and go from there. That's 
one, so profound, but two, super intuitive because when you have everyone's voices in your head, it's really hard to ascertain what actually feels right for you. And I'm sure every person that's going on this journey will gravitate to different health modalities or different ways of doing things. So you did the, are you still in the three months or you've completed that three months? I've completed that now. Um, So that three months also allowed me to build new daily routines that benefited my hormonal health without the stress of adding a new thing to my already giant box of 12 supplements sitting by the tap to have with breakfast. And I'm sure many people um, who've been on a health journey can relate to that. Waking up in the morning going, oh, I have to take X, Y, Z before food. And then I have to eat breakfast. And then I have to take A, B, C. And even that was stressful for me. And part of this course was actually educating me about how large an effect stress has on your hormonal Mm. profile. So I was almost doing my body a disservice by pushing it through all of these various treatments without actually reflecting on what it had the energy to do. Yeah, and it's important that you've mentioned that because I always have another friend that believes a big contribution to her current fertility journey is a ridiculous spike in testosterone from cortisol, um, from, you know, the past and it could have been unresolved and her body has been in fight or flight. And now the most detrimental thing she could be doing when she's spending all this money on all these different things is continuing to be stressed and keeping that testosterone really high. From what I understand, that ends up gobbling up other things that you need in your home. I'm, I'm obviously not qualified, but from the little bit that I understand, it has a huge effect. So have you yeah. been including like meditation and yeah. journaling and those type of practices to help you stay really grounded? Yeah. So I've done meditation. I've done journaling. I've done yoga. I've done retreats. But at the end of the day, I actually also found those things stressful getting up in the morning going, oh, I have to do my morning routine, do my journal and do a 10-minute meditation didn't fit with the life I have right now. So instead, I mix my mindfulness with my hormonal tonic. So I have a drink every day that has adaptogenic herbs to support my hormones. Mm -hmm. And I set aside five minutes to have that drink while it's hot. I think this is the first time in my life I've ever finished a hot drink. And that's my meditation. So if you have kids, if you have a busy job, if you don't work a nine till five and you find it difficult to set aside that time consistently, attach that habit to something else that's already existing. That would be my biggest thing when it comes to creating that space for yourself. You don't have to create it by pushing everything else aside. Sometimes you can manage to attach it to something you're already doing. One, to make sure it's consistent and you get those benefits. But two, to reduce that mental stress of, oh, I've got to add this next thing into my already busy routine. 
Yeah, wow. And I think the word that you said as well is have to. When anything becomes a have to or I should should all over that, it instantly makes the activity a negative rather than a positive and another to-do list tick off, which does create stress because if you don't complete it, then you again feel like you failed. Failed. So it's like that cycle. But yeah, you're right. Like I've been doing a like a money mindset with my business at the moment daily and I'm a morning person. So my desired time would be to have that in the morning, but that doesn't look like that in my current situation. So I've just accepted it could be any time in the day. And if it happens to be the last thing at night before I go to bed, I've just accepted that's just the way it is. But you're right. You can actually be in a form of gratefulness, mindfulness, meditation, and for personally myself, prayer, literally while you're walking down the street, looking at a picture frame, doing the dishes and looking out the window, you know, playing with your kids. Even if you're scrubbing the bathroom, you could be saying 10 things you're grateful for that day. For me this morning, my windows needed to be cleaned. And it's like, the bane of my existence. My windows are floor to ceiling. I'm four foot ten. I have to get a <laughs> and a bucket. It's a whole thing. Um, so instead, I just I've got a lot of tension in my body at the moment because lockdown has stopped my exercise routine, which affects my adenomyosis and my ankylosing spondylitis. So while I cleaned the windows and I was swiping the glass. I just repeated in my mind, I'm free to release this tension. I'm free to release this tension. And I just found myself almost enjoying that activity as opposed to it being a chore. Mm, yes, I hear you. It was almost meditative. You could yeah. switch off and it was just a repetitive motion over again. It, it yeah. was, yeah, it's a form of meditation. I love that. Now, Switching gears a little bit, yeah. speaking about cleaning yeah. and you cleaning your windows, I know yes. for a fact that it would have been a low-tox window yes, cleaner. It was. So it was. Tell us about that. Tell us how, yeah. as, aside from mindfulness and your stress and your routine and really stepping back in the task that you give yourself on this particular journey you're on, what's been the really powerful action steps that have been non-negotiable for you? I would say that I I would put them into two categories that are non-optional for me. One is controlling my home environment because that's truly the only environment we can control. As soon as I step out my front door, I can't stop the school kids with the impulse spray and, you know, (laughs) the, the guys spraying the garden out there. And also what I ingest. I have ultimate control over those two things in my life at the moment. And the first thing came about for me was finding out that plastic mimic hormones in our body, disrupting our entire body function, our whole endocrine system. And a big part of that for women is your reproductive cycle. So I cut out cooking and eating out of plastic. So all of my Tupperware is now glass. Um, All of my cookware is glass um, or steel. And I also made sure to remove those 
endocrine disruptors from my personal care products. So my shampoo, my conditioner, my body wash, and my cleaning products. Because you might be using a safe shampoo, but what did you clean your shower glass with? What did you use on the tiles? Did you use exit mold? Are you inhaling those aromatic formaldehydes? Um, And at the end of the day, the air quality in your home can be severely impacted by those volatile aromatic formaldehydes that come off most cleaning products. Which is really scary and really intense. And I know people listening are going to be like, so why are they in the products? Why were they they allowed on the shelf? Is this really true? Why would anyone do that for us? And I think it's just full on. Well, the, the bottom line is they're unregulated. So basically... They're okay with companies selling poison as long as it's not going to poison you right away. Yeah. And one of my biggest and most heartbreaking examples of this is talcum powder. Mm. Um, Talcum powder is known to be a high contaminant risk with asbestos. And there is literally nothing you can do about that. Those two powders, those mineral components grow side by side. So when you mine talc, there is always a chance you're going to be mining asbestos. And as recently as 2014, Johnson & Johnson's lost a lawsuit where women died from ovarian cancer from using baby powder, so talcum powder. And I personally don't, blame Johnson and Johnson because they were one of only four companies that were willing to submit a sample of their talc and it came back asbestos free. But that doesn't mean that every bottle sold met those requirements. And it was a known cause for ovarian cancer. It's on the risk list if you look up possible causes. And today it is in foundation, eyeshadow, foot powder, body powder, foundation. It's still everywhere. Even after they paid out over $4 million in that lawsuit, it is still available today to use on our kids and on ourselves. And that's why I've become such an advocate for doing your own research because they're not required to do it for you basically and and i guess the the big issue is is that australia often follows quite closely after america in many ways and for whatever reason america and australia just have not put into motion banning these chemicals where somewhere like france france is so advanced in so many ways i was just on a podcast with someone talking about how in france every single woman that has a baby gets a free pelvic floor checkup. Yep. Like stuff like that. Like they're so amazing. And they've banned, you would know the numbers, but it's somewhere between like a thousand and fifteen hundred chemicals from the shelf. Yeah. Like, yep. Why do we have to be so behind? <laughs> like, I, I honestly think we treat ourselves like a small country. And we really shouldn't. So, you know, we we follow bigger countries. We walk in their footsteps when, yeah, we might not be big, but we could make some radical changes for our society. So like P. 
people keep talking about K-beauty, Korean beauty, um, and there's a big natural beauty movement called A-beauty, so putting Australian beauty on the map where we're using natural Australian botanicals and Australian-made Cosmos certified ingredients and proving that they're effective and safe without needing that compromise. Mm, Okay, I'm hearing you. So on this journey that you're obviously on, you're extremely careful with what goes in your mouth and what goes on your body and they're huge non-negotiables for you. Yeah. What ingredients in, I mean, and this also goes across cleaning products, but I know you specifically focus on beauty that are absolute no-nos on your fertility journey and even if a woman wasn't necessarily struggling in that particular area and they were getting pregnant and having a baby still should be highly considering on their journey yeah so anything that's got talc is obviously a write-off as far as I'm concerned it's not a risk I'm ever willing to take I don't care how beautiful the eyeshadow color might be (laughs) (laughs) um So talc is definitely a no-go and you've got to be really careful. You can Google other names for it, but they're starting to wise up and put Latin names on labels. Mm. So you really need to search your ingredients. If you don't know what it is off the bat, you need to look it up. Another thing is all petrochemicals. So again, petrochemicals are one of those things where everyone argues that they're safe and if they have been prepared correctly just like talc they are free of those dangerous components but there's no guarantee and that's not a risk I'm willing to take especially when petrochemical components are known carcinogens so I would rather swap my Vaseline or my red Poor, poor ointment tube out for rose ointment with Young Living because I know exactly what is in that and that it is safe and healthy. And the last one is plastics and silicones. So removing things like dimethicone, silicon, anything with an own in it, I tend to double check what it's actually derived from. And lastly, formaldehydes. There are more formaldehydes in our products than people are willing to admit. And the dangerous part about that is formaldehydes become aromatics. So they evaporate into the air and we then inhale those. So that's one of the reasons why things like Windex and those cleaning products that are really, really high in those components, you've got to switch out for something far more nourishing and less damaging. Right. So true. And The thing as well is that these chemicals, and you confirm this, I'm pretty sure I've got this right, especially plastics, end up mimicking estrogen and end up creating too much estrogen in the body that we're unaware of because it looks like estrogen when it enters the body and then ends up gobbling up like a little Pac-Man all our progesterone. And that's one of the big reasons our hormones are getting impacted. Yeah, so estrogen is one of the major hormones that these endocrine disruptors will mimic. And I want to be very clear that it's not just women that are suffering. Mm. It's women that are being told by our periods that there's a problem. 
And as backwards as it might sound, that's something I'm really grateful for, that my period told me my environment was so profoundly negatively affecting my health. A recent study has shown that 60% of Western men are now suffering infertility from the same compounds, only they don't get a warning bell like we do. And that's another reason why I'm so passionate about women who get this warning bell taking action wherever you can. And we've got to be realistic. Some people can't just go in and chuck out everything under the cupboard and get rid of everything they own and do a swap in one day. But every new purchase can be a bit better, not only for you, but for your partner, your son, your dad, the men in your life as well to educate them on better choices. Absolutely. And you're so true about there's there's next to no awareness for males unless you're literally at the point where maybe you have been trying for a baby for a year. And you both this, get checked. Yeah. And you both get checked and generally I'm assuming the woman would probably get checked first and then she yeah. would get the all clear and then she's like okay honey you've got to now go get checked because we've got to kind of figure out what's going on and then that can come up with that statistic that that's actually very large so uh, yeah how how did you know how they actually did that that Unfortunately, I don't. I know that Triple J actually released the study and it has the doctor's name in there in the article. So you can go and read up on that yourself. Wow. Um, But one in 10 women have adenomyosis, which is one of the things I suffer from which is an extremely large percentage. But then up to one in four have endo and or PCOS. So we're getting up there in those numbers as well. And I think, I don't think those numbers are an honest reflection of how women's fertility has really been affected because most GPs will put you on the pill and you won't get any investigations done. So I truly believe there's at least 60, 70% of women out there currently on hormonal contraceptives as a blanket cover to one of these issues that's undiagnosed and undocumented. Yeah. And from what I've understood, that doesn't solve the problem. It may help the period pain that is the reason they might go into the GP for, it might not even be at the stage that they're actually trying to conceive. This happens to young women that are just like, my period gives me a migraine every month. I can be buckled over in bed. Some women vomit. Some people have to go to hospital. That's how extreme it can be. And and the other thing I've also recently learned about with a friend, I'm pretty sure it's PCOS, there's two sides. There can be completely silent where you literally get nothing and you have no idea until you are trying to conceive. And there's the side where they are getting that debilitating pain. And it's often the ones that are silent that don't know for so long that they have it. And even one particular friend went and got an ultrasound like maybe five years ago and there was signs of having PCOS but because it wasn't strong enough the doctor didn't reveal to her this information so she never went back to get it checked and she felt very what's the word lied to but also like hey 
you could have just told me that there may be something wrong and I just would have come back in a year and just got it checked again anyway. And if something had That's developed, right. we could have got onto it a bit quicker. If you would love to continue this conversation with Catherine, I have another previously recorded greenwashing call. Greenwashing is a term that's used when products use words like organic and natural. That's greenwashing because legally wise, it doesn't mean anything. So if you would love to continue this conversation that we're having with Catherine today and go a lot deeper into the names of chemicals, what's really in products, brands that she likes how she's done her research, statistics that she's found, then I'll send the link to you for the second call. It's not very long. It's only about 35 minutes. And that will take you deeper into a whole other world of products and beauty products and what you can be using and the key ingredients to nourish and beautify our skin. So DM me over at bellyandbeyond underscore or send me an email to hello at bellandbeyond.com.au and I'd love to send you that link and continue the conversation. All right, let's get back into the episode with Catherine. So for women out there, if they are, and I know you're not a doctor and I know you're not necessarily no. a naturopath, <laughs> but you have been on this journey, I just feel like if anyone's listening and for whatever reason, there is any little thing that maybe doesn't feel right, like a painful period, migraines in your ovulation, you have been trying for a long time and things don't feel right, or there's other areas of your body that aren't working well, you've got gut issues or pains in certain areas. Like for our female anatomy, Mm -hmm. I do feel like things manifest sometimes a lot later and then we have to try and backtrack to recover. Definitely. Yeah, that is definitely true. So if you had trouble losing or maintaining your weight as a teenager, but your periods were fine, that weight instability could be an insulin response, which can affect egg health. If you had cystic acne, if you had chronic fatigue, all of these things can be connected with male-female hormone balance in our bodies. And I say that because they tend to refer to male hormones as your testosterone and your androgens, but we need those too. Mm. Um, And they can get out of balance very, very quickly. And if you started drinking coffee at a young age, um, that can extremely stress your adrenals, which affects your androgens, which can throw that balance off as well uh, and leave your body in a state of stress. And it's not something you think to check in your early 20s when your cell turnover is so robust, it can quickly heal that issue. It doesn't mean it's not an issue. It just means that you're less likely to see the long-term effects of it that early on. Yeah. Wow. And it, yes, it's definitely something we need to create more awareness around. And I just, I do feel like sometimes the female reproductive system and like femininity seems to always be somewhat under attack. And for whatever reason that is, and, you know, it's our natural instinct to want to continue on the next generation. But for some reason, it feels like that seems to be an area that's really battling in today's society. And um, I guess that's why you have justice around that and you want to rise up and kind of speak your truth because you (laughs) don't want to see other people suffer. I really don't. And I think 
one of the hardest things for me to realize was that most of the specialists I saw, excuse my language, quite literally don't give a crap. Mm. You aren't a person to them. You're a puzzle. And if they cannot put the pieces together, they fob you off to somebody else. Mm. And part of that is the fact that women have only been able to attain higher degrees in university for the last 130, 140 years. (laughs) So all of the research that's been done to this date is by men. Mm. And they refer to us and our reproductive system and its severe emotional side effects by saying things like she was hysterical, her pregnancy failed to thrive, she has a hostile uterus, her uterus is unfavorable, she's got failing egg health. Like we have medical professionals talking to us like we're a broken piece of machinery that just needs to be tossed and replaced. Mm. And that desperately needs to change. One, so that us as women can talk openly about very natural things. It astounds me the number of women I speak to who are actually still in the dark about how their cycle works. I'm flabbergasted that, you know, there's actually only a very small 24-hour window in which you can conceive, which you can get pregnant. That window changes but it can also be identified by things like FAM, fertility monitoring. And it could be something as simple as you don't ovulate on day 14 of your cycle. And there's nothing abnormal about that, but no one tells you that can be different, right? They stick you to that day 14 ovulation, day 28 bleed, which is not how a human body works. We all grow to a different height. We all have different colored hair and eyes and our cycle is the same in length and in variation. And I unfortunately believe that they've kept us naive on purpose so that when we go to these specialists, we don't kick up a fuss. (laughs) And it wasn't until I started questioning my specialists that I learned pretty quick who really wanted to help me get better and who really wanted to put me on drugs so that I would go away, basically. A Band-Aid. Yeah, a Band-Aid, who had no interest about the why. And I think that naivety is something that's really got to change. Women need to be empowered to learn how your cycle actually works, learn that food can help determine how bad your endo flare-up might be this month. They need to be able to teach their daughters what a contact pregnancy is. I talked to a 13-year-old girl who thought that because she didn't have her period yet, she couldn't get pregnant. And I just, you know. (laughs) Um, Yes, there's always been such a focus when I remember going through school on either use a condom or the pill because you can yeah. get pregnant or be careful of STDs. Like that was the yeah. two things that were very much drilled into my, um, you know, I was born in 1990, so my yeah. upbringing, but no one did ever talk about your cycles. You can get no. pregnant at different times. You can what get happens? pregnant on the pill. <laughs> if you take the pill and have antibiotics at the same time, you can get pregnant very, very easily. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, no one tells you that. Does no one GP tells you even that tell you that. I don't even think. No, the GP no, the GP that. won't tell you that. And the GP won't tell you that the pill has a two percent chance of giving you progesterone-induced liver tumors for life. Like it is a serious drug, and they hand it out like candy to band-aid a problem that can be fixed by changing your nutritional and topical profile. Wow. Wow. That's insane. So who, I hate this question, but when it comes to like, there isn't really anyone in the end that's going to take responsibility for it. So all the power is back to us as female education community and intuition. So if we could leave anything with the women listening today what would be like your top key you've shared some of them but just to kind of reiterate it aside from researching acupuncture and all those things I'm talking about the crux of daily life as a really basic foundation to start with like removing plastics going organic can you list some of those things that really could be changes that could be made today Remove all plastic food storage and heating. Don't cook in it. Don't heat in it. Don't eat out of it. Stop consuming refined seed oils. They're also estrogen mimickers. So sunflower oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, those oils were refined for use in machinery. Your body doesn't want them or use them. Find a company like Young Living that can get you safe, healthy products to your door without you having to shop through 10,000 different brands like I have. Look for professionals that love you asking a question. Yeah, that have a dialogue with you. And lastly, I would invest in a long-term education for yourself. So there's a couple of hormone companies that do ongoing education and you'd be surprised what you can learn from naturopaths who are willing to share that in a group setting and the support and freedom you have to ask questions that you might not want to verbalize. And that will allow you to eat well, to reprogram your DNA and topically to eliminate these estrogen mimicking properties that are causing so much disruption. Yeah, and I remember you saying in our previous conversations that once, tell me if this is right, once Mm. that DNA is damaged, it will continue to repeat that. It will mimic that damaged cell and keep repeating it. So you you don't want them to get damaged from the start. Yeah, Um, it's a lot easier to prevent that DNA damage than it is to repair it. Um, So one of the big things is fat. You want to be eating a whole food, full fat diet, and it has to be grass-fed and grass-finished. So modern farming feeds the animals grain, which causes inflammation, and in turn, the meat that we're eating is high omega-6 which causes inflammation in the body. So if you're eating that three to six times a day, your joints are going to swell. We're talking autoimmune diseases, arthritis, and especially if you're prone to endo, PCOS, or adenomyosis, it's all to do with inflammation. 
So when you eat grass-fed, pasture-raised produce, it's high in omega-3, which is anti-inflammatory fats. And these fats make up the phospholipid bilayer around your cell that determines what it allows to affect your DNA. So by eating a full-fat, organic, pasture-raised diet, you're literally fortifying your cells to protect that recipe for a healthy cell ongoing. Absolutely right. And that's why I think we were discussing previously as well how we're we've got our eyes set now on black seed oil because yes. of how anti-inflammatory it is and how much it fights free radicals. And that's a day that would you say that is in the form of like a lipid or is it not? I don't think it is. It is, however, virgin cold pressed. So it isn't a lot of people when I recommend it get worried because I say to avoid refined seed oils. It isn't refined. It's, it hasn't gone undergone any chemical process, which is why once it's open, it needs to be refrigerated to slow down the natural oxidation that happens when those compounds are exposed to the environment. So it is a natural cold pressed oil, much like fats of things like flaxseed, hemp seed. Mm. Those seeds contain fantastic fat compounds, but you've just got to be wary that if you choose not to grind the seeds yourself, that you're getting it from a virgin cold pressed source, not a refined source. And we know our hormones love good fats, right? Which I think is a huge misconception in our day society. Everyone has become so afraid of fat. It's horrible. And, you know, America has taught us, and I hate to be the blame, but they have taught us that seed oils are better for your heart and that heart foundation will tick off on it. And they think that coconut oil is the enemy. And it's like this whole misconception around oils and fats fats and yeah right, that is a huge thing that we could be focusing yeah. on as women with our hormones so there's a great documentary called fat fiction and it literally talks about that change in our eating habits because my grandma would give me lamb drippings so lamb fat whatever was in the bottom of the roasting pan on toast um and that is how she would eat very full fat almost no sugar, and then all of a sudden the 80s and 90s came along and we're eating cereal and fruit, high fructose fruit for breakfast and taking muesli bars for lunch, and that fat profile changed and it was to protect some of these really, really big manufacturing food industries. So that's an interesting watch too. Wow. Thank you so much for, we could just honestly go on and on and on and on and on, but I just, I loved the key takeaways. I loved your, your mental stance on going on this fertility journey. And I think that'll be really encouraging to other women out there that are also on this journey and just are feeling really overwhelmed and it doesn't help with what's going on right now in Australia and the world that does start to compress. And I also know through another friend, you know, if you are going down the IVF journey as well and you're wanting to still focus on your health because you are still doing an egg, egg extraction from what I yeah. understand, all of these same principles still apply because you want to be at your healthiest point when you're having that egg extracted. Yep. 
That's right. And I just want to say I am in no way against the pill or IVF or bioidentical hormones. I'm just against the lack of transparency because nutritionally you can take a herbal drink that replenishes the magnesium and B vitamins that those synthetic hormones use to work so that when you come off them, you don't have those side effects. It's not about taking away those options because for some people IVF is your option Mm. but it's about making sure your body is in a great position to work effectively with those options so full fat diet get on an educational program like hormone harmony academy or my moon box and cut plastic I love it thank you so much thank you for just being a stand in the female community on such topics far beyond just, hey, let's do a facial and do some skincare <laughs> because you're so much more than just your day job of skin passion and being a skin therapist. I think there's probably going to be lots of doors that are going to open for you in other ways that you maybe didn't once imagine. And I think that's the powerful thing about our story once we go down that path and we become empowered and educated and quite liberated in our choices, we then really want to give back and create change in those areas which we've been through. So I really believe that for you, Catherine. I think there's going to be lots of opportunities that you're going to be able to see in women's lives. And, yeah, doors are going to open, I think, in quite magical ways that you never once expected. Thank you and thank you for having me. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together. 